Well, hey guys, take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Peter. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, three foundations for our, our life this morning. I uh, have been in the middle of renovating a, uh, a room that I thought was well attached to my house and okay. I thought I just needed to tweak and things a little bit, you know, put some new flooring down, maybe paint, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and it's a long room, and so we realized we kinda, it's kind of long and narrow for the, you know, proportionately, so we were going to put up a little knee wall to kind of divide it off and put kind of a, you know, a counter or a, I don't know if a little eat-in place or a little like a, a table or something like could put a computer. And so uh, to attach the knee wall well, I, I tore up the piece of plywood so I could, you know, put my post down and anchor it really well to my, the floor joists. And I pulled it up because we wanted to put tile. I just was checking the floor and I'm like, this seems a little bouncy. And then I realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, they only use two by sixes, like, you know, just six inches. And normal construction for floors would be like tens or twelves, you know? And it wasn't supported well. And I thought, oh my goodness, I got problems. And well, we can figure out how to fix it. So we ended up pulling up half the plywood in the house to kind of stay or in that room to stabilize it. And it's a big room. It's like 28 feet long. So this is not little. And then when we got to the other end, I knew my floor sagged a little bit. And I was kind of looking at it. And Nathaniel and I were looking at it. And he said, look at that bounce. And I was watching the floor literally go up and down like an inch and a half all on the floor. And I realized it wasn't tied into my original house. It was an addition well at all. And so I had to tear up all of the plywood along that wall. And it wasn't attached. It literally would, they just used a few little nails, like, like over 28 foot run, like maybe 20 concrete nails. Most of them were sheared off when we pulled them. And so I had to relag that and I shot concrete cleats into the floor. And, and then, you know, after a week's worth of hot pulling up have you ever pulled insulation out when mice have been having doing their thing and fun? You know, it's exciting work. It's really exciting work. And uh, after that, all that work, I'm like, all I got is a floor. I'm like back to zero, you know? All of that, that horrible, just for nothing and expense, well, it was for something. You know, foundations for houses, for buildings, for life are important. There, you can't build on top of something if it's not well supported. It won't, it won't be able to withstand the structure. Had we gone ahead with all of our work, it might have looked good for six months, but pretty soon all of that work would have been shown to have been absolutely of no avail. So this morning we're going to talk about a foundation for our faith. Peter is so smart as we begin looking at this. He, he's talked to us already about how we should build and add to our, our life, right? He began talking to us about grace and peace that comes into our life. And he, he talks about, now, once you know the Lord Jesus and have faith, make sure you add virtue. And, and to that, that virtue, make sure you add knowledge and that knowledge, self-control. We talked about all of that. And he's telling us about all the wonderful things to come. And then he's so wise because now what he's doing in this passage is he's putting a foundation underneath it and he's saying, here's why all of those things are real. And he's smart because nobody gets excited about the foundation. 
Nobody gets excited about what's underneath, right? You, no realtor comes in and says, hey, come on, you're going to be so pumped to look at this basement. They don't take you first thing into the basement. No, they take you through the kitchen and they show you the bathroom. They, they show you all the really cool spots, right? The nice sunroom that's there or the master bedroom or whatever. They don't come down and say, look at this wall, how solid and wonderful it is. And they, they eventually get to that. Well, Peter is doing that this morning. He's telling us he didn't start with the foundation, the basement stuff. Nobody's going to walk into my room if we're ever able to get it completed, both time and money at this point. If we ever get it completed, nobody's going to say, Sean, you did a really good job on that, on that subflooring. Great job. I'm, I'm liking the plastic that you put down because they didn't put enough concrete under there and you had mud and everything underneath your floor that you didn't know about. Good job on those lags that you used. Nobody's going to get excited about the insulation that we did underneath the floor. They're going to say, oh, that color's really nice. Or, yeah, you got lousy taste in tile, Sean. You know, what in the world were you thinking on that one? Yeah, you, We only get excited about what is above the ground. But if we don't put our time into the foundation of our life, we will suffer catastrophic failure. Today, you only have to look at the news to eventually see the headlines about people who are suffering catastrophic failure because they built their life on something that couldn't withstand. And today, there are Christians, or those who at some point thought they were Christians or really were, who we read headlines, somebody famous who either throws in the towel but is suffering catastrophic failure of their life. Peter is telling us this morning why the things that he's already told us and the things that are coming uh, later on, why they are so important and why we can believe them. He's giving us a sure foundation for our faith of, of our salvation, but not just our faith, it's really ultimately for our life, because everything in our life is about faith. Faith is not a compartment of our life. It's not a portion of it. It's not a locker that we go into and take out something that we might need when we go to work. It's not a, a, a storage area that we put a tool in that, you know, hey, I need some faith right now, so I'm going to go get it. When we think about this, it's talking about faith. Our whole life is built upon this. It's enmeshed and it's in, ingrained in everything. So read with me if you would, and I'm going to talk to you about these, these three foundations that Peter just so profoundly gives us. He says in verse 16, he says, for, whenever you see that word for, you kind of need to look back and what's he talking about? He's explaining, he's referring to what he's been talking about. And he says this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we are with him, or we were with him on the holy mountain. First thing that Peter reminds us of this morning, first big foundation for your, not just your faith, but for your life is the glory of our Lord Jesus. Peter says, he says, look, when we were sharing all of this with you, we weren't sharing with you fairy tales. This was not a good uh, bedtime story. 
This wasn't a make-believe kind of story. This isn't like the Roman or the Greek uh, religious myths, you know, where they have all of these different gods. And it's kind of, if you read some of the stories in the, of the, the, the Roman and Greek gods that they really believed in and were placating all that, it's kind of like a reality TV. It's almost like soap opera and reality TV dramas combined. It's like, we weren't, we didn't share with you these clever ideas that we wove and spun together. He said, look, when, when we were there. I personally was there. He's talking about the time where Jesus called Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain and, and spent individual time with them alone. And while he was there, the Bible tells us in Matthew 17 that, that, that Jesus was changed. Literally, he was transfigured. In other words, there was a change in his appearance. And the Bible says that his appearance shone like the sun. Have you ever looked at the sun? Just, I mean, you're not supposed to look at it directly, at least not very long time. But, I mean, you look away and you have spots. It just kind of like burns that into your eyes. Peter was just looking at Jesus and he shone brightly like the sun. And the Bible says is that, that Elijah and Moses were there talking with, with Jesus. And what happened with Jesus is that Peter saw what was on the inside that was now made visible to the outside. Peter said, look guys, I want you to realize we're not just passing down some tradition or some made-up make-believe story. I saw. I know what I heard. I heard God the Father, the voice that said, this is my beloved son and I am very pleased, well pleased with him. You see, when we open the Bible and we look at this, we're reading the, the eyewitness testimony of Peter, who heard with his ears, who saw with his eyes, whose hands touched, who lived with Jesus Christ. And Peter says, the big foundation piece that I want you to focus on, on is the glory of our Lord Jesus. We told you about the power in his coming. That's what he says in verse 18. We made known to you his, the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is, is, he's doing what we do as, as, as men a lot. Ladies, you do this sometimes too, but a lot of stereotypes really are true, not all of them. But ladies, you do tend to give more of the play-by-play -play story. And guys, you tend to abbreviate, like, how was work? Oh, it was good. I, can I have a little bit more? Like, what do you mean it was good? Well, it was okay. I, I had a good lunch, I had work, got stuff done. Well, like, who did you talk to? What happened? You know, ladies, you tend to want more, and guys, you tend to blow by stuff. Peter is being a typical guy, and he's just blowing by stuff. What he's telling us in this verse 18 is that, look, I'm telling you about the Jesus who has come and the Jesus who is coming again. I made known to you the power and the glory of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, in this case, he's talking about Jesus coming again. And he's, he's assuming that we already know that he's already come, that he's died for our sins. And he says, guys, this whole span of salvation that we've been talking to you about, this, this whole big thing of the gospel that Jesus has come, and he's coming back, and he's come in power, come with, his, his, with amazing ability, and he's coming again in presence to be with you and me. Peter says, that's the stuff and I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the glory of the Lord Jesus. See, for you and for me, big foundation of our life is the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a foundation upon which you and I should build everything about us. Everything. 
We have some young couples that are get engaged and getting married. Uh, I think there's three or four in the next year or so. It's awesome to have young couples getting married and begin life, life together, and it's awesome to start that out. When a couple gets married, they shouldn't be bringing glory to themselves as they walk down that aisle. They should be bringing glory to the Lord Jesus as they walk down that aisle. Those of you that are married, your marriage should bring glory to the Lord Jesus. Not about you. When you go to work, your work should not be about you. It should be about the glory of the Lord Jesus. That, for Peter, it's like, look, guys, this is what's worthy of announcement. I mean, let's face it. You and I, at our best, are not worthy of a, whole, a very big announcement, right? Catch us on our best day. You know, there's not a lot of headline that needs to be shown here, right? But Peter is telling us that it's really all about the glory of God. You see, when Peter was there that day, he saw Jesus at who he really was. When, when, God, when Jesus came to this earth, he was God who became man. And his flesh, his skin and bones covered, if you will. Somehow God allowed that to happen, but covered his glory. And on that day, Jesus, Peter saw Jesus. Jesus, the, what was on the inside of Jesus, came to be seen on the outside. You see, what Peter saw was what God showed and revealed to Moses at the burning bush when he was called to that, and, and God spoke to Peter and said, or spoke to Moses and said, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take your shoes off. That's what Peter saw. It was the glory of God when, when Isaiah was there. And he saw the glory and the radiance of God and the angels before him. That's what Peter saw when he saw Jesus. It's what Moses, when Moses said, God, I've seen you in the burning bush, but I really haven't seen you. God, I want to I see you. And God said, nobody can see me and live. And so he said, Moses, you get into this little hollowed out spot in the rock and I'll cover you and you catch just a little of my, my, my like airplanes leave a contrail, you know, you'll just catch a little of the after glimpse. Peter saw the glory of the Lord Jesus, God and his glory on that day. And it deeply impacted him. In fact, Jesus told, he told Peter, James, and John, he said, yeah, this stuff you've seen here, don't tell anybody until afterwards. Well, it's now afterwards and Peter's telling people. He said, look, guys, I know the stuff that I'm telling you about. Jesus has come and that he's coming back and he's going to give you an entrance into heaven. I know that it's a little far-fetched. I know that it's out there. But I want you to know you've got a sure foundation for what you believe. And I want you to know that it's about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So first big thing in your life is, if you are living in any area of your life at any point in time, other than for the, Lord, the glory of God, then you're doomed to failure in that area of your life. You will crash and burn. There will be a catastrophic failure. The foundation that you try to build upon other than that will absolutely not be able to support. When husbands and wives run into trouble, it's because nine times out of 10, they're running into selfish issues where they're not willing to, to, to serve and sacrifice and they're beginning to live for themselves and fight for themselves rather than to truly fight together to overcome and to live for the glory of God. Any country that begins to, any movement that begins to solve a problem and it builds on a foundation other than for the glory of Jesus Christ, has big problems. It will fail. Everything, every movement, every ministry, every home, every community, every nation, everything will fail other than that. 
second foundation Peter gives us for our life and for our, our faith. He goes on and he says in verse 19, he says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a, light, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. You can't just make up what you want it to say. It's not of your own private thing. He says in verse 21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second big foundation is the reliability of God's Word, the Bible. Peter says, guys, that was cool that day. And I could tell you all at length about that. But we have a, a prophecy that's more sure, that's even better than that. What's he mean by prophecy? What's he talking about? Prophecy. When you think of prophecy, you usually think of somebody who's predicting the future, right? Who knows what's going to happen. We've been trying to predict the future with COVID-19 and what laws are coming out and what's not happening and this and that, and we haven't been very good at it. That's not what he's talking about here. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. He says, knowing that, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture. He's talking about, he's talking about the prophecy of the, the Bible. You see, prophecy isn't first and foremost predicting the future. It's not foretelling. It's more forth, telling forth the words of God. What Peter says is this. Guys, I just told you about my firsthand experience. And you ought to listen to me. I'm an apostle. I was there. Firsthand evidence is some of the very best evidence in a legal case. You put your hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help you, God. I do. What did you see? What happened? What were you aware of? When we read this, we're reading Peter, who was there, writing to people who were alive, who in turn wrote this at that time, who were, who were, and who were alive at the time of this writing. We're reading accurate, firsthand accounts of, of what actually happened. But Peter says, if you think that's amazing, we've got something that's even better, a more sure word of prophecy, the Bible that we can follow and believe in. See, here's the thing. So many people will follow their experiences, follow their feelings, and trust those more than they will something else, and especially the something else being the Bible. And Peter says, it doesn't matter what your firsthand experiences have been. Here's what the Bible says, and that's what we can believe on. It's a, it's a firm foundation Think about it this way. You and I don't always perceive reality accurately. Is that a fair assessment? We, always, we don't always really know reality. I was at a, a college student retreat at Camp Pinnacle a number of years ago, and uh, we weren't living in the capital region. If I was, I'd have gone home. You know, it was one of those things like, I'm going to get some sleep and go in my own bed instead of hanging out with a bunch of college students all weekend. And uh, we were at, at Pinnacle, and, uh, and I had gotten up that morning, I don't remember, brushed my teeth, shave or something, and you know how it is. You're, you get up in the morning, you're not sleeping in your own bed, and you're with a bunch of people and been up late the night before. And I looked in the mirror, and all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me. I don't even think I'd had a shower yet. And I'm like, I, I kind of said to my, under my breath, I got to get a haircut. 
And, uh, and there was a guy standing next to me, and, you know, a sink or two down, and I don't know if he had, had I don't know if he was rushing to see shaving or whatever, it's irrelevant, but he was not a, not a college student age. He was not one of the leaders, but he was, I guess, a non-traditional student. He looked like somebody was in his 30s or 40s, right? And he thought, and he had really long hair, and he thought my comment was aimed at him. He didn't hear the word I. And he heard, got to get a haircut, and thought that I had just walked in the door, you know, and told him first thing in the morning, you got to get a haircut, buddy, you know. He got mad and began to rip into me verbally. And I'm like, look, I was talking about me, and I genuinely, like, if you know me, I don't go around, hey, you really, you know, you need to spruce up a little bit, you know, you need to shower, you need to do some stuff, you know, I, that's not me. And he was convinced all day long that I had jumped on him and here he is at this Christian retreat and see there, these Christians can't be trusted and they're just mean or whatever or making you, you know, follow some sort of dress code. And he went and talked to the leader and I had to go, a guy that I was good friends with, he was a campus leader at SU and I had to go, I'm like, look, man, I can't prove this, but I did, I did say it, but I didn't say, I said the word I, like I'm talking to me, you know. His perception of reality was not real. He had misinterpreted, misheard, and his whole belief system, his whole feelings, and his whole thinking was based on something that wasn't real and accurate. What P Peter is telling us is this, is that folks, you and I have something that is a secure, it is a firm, sure foundation upon which we can build our life and our faith. The world around us builds its life upon its own thinking, upon its own feelings, and its own reaction, and its own impressions. And today you post stuff on social media, and then later on you realize, oh, I messed that one up, I misheard and didn't hear. It, the world puts stuff out there. Listen to what a, a guy by the name of, you may have heard of him before, his name is Plato. Listen to what Plato had to say thinking about some things. He said this, he said, we must lay hold of the best human opinion in order that by it, as on a raft, we may sail over the dangerous sea of life. Think about that. He said, we've got to find the best thinking of all of human because there's dangers and pitfalls in life. And we need to find the very best that the world has to offer in our thinking to overcome that. Doesn't that kind of define what we're trying to do through social media and the news and politics and everything today, right? But listen to what he said next. He said, unless we can find a stronger boat or get this, I'm quoting this, or some sure word of God, which will more surely and safely carry us. Here's Plato. Plato said, you know what? This world's got so many messes and so many problems in it. You had better build your life on the very best thinking that we can find out around us. Unless we can find actually something that's going to be even better. That's a stronger boat able to withstand the currents and torrents of life. A boat that is of God's design that is the word of God. You see, that's what Peter's telling us. That we have a stronger, more sure boat that can carry us through the troubles and tribulations of life, that can help us to understand our life and make sense of our world, to help us to understand eternity. And Peter says, look, guys, don't believe me because of what I've said. 
Believe what I'm saying because God has written it for thousands of years in his Bible, all pointing to Jesus Christ, all pointing to these truths. We have a sure word, a foundation upon which we can believe our lives. Now, if that's really true, it makes sense that Peter would say this. He would say, to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. He says, guys, if this is really that kind of foundation that you can believe in that comes from the one who created and invented this world and dreamed it up, a word that from the one who doesn't lie, and it's an accurate, faithful testimony of that word, you'd be crazy to listen and to follow the advice of others and not consult the word of God. He says you would do well to keep it in your brain and to keep it in your heart and to build your life on that. If you don't, your life is just going to bounce up and down. And it can't sustain anything. In fact, the more you want to accomplish in your life, the better your foundation needs to be. The more people you are around and influence and lead, I don't care whether it's at work, it's your neighborhood, it's your family, the better your foundation better be. You can't support all of the, the influence and, and wisdom and help and all that you're trying to do in life on a lousy foundation. Peter says you would do well to think about it, a light that shines into to darkness. He's describing this world as morally dark. Darkness is, is a picture of the sin and decay that's in the world. It's a picture of the confusion and not sure how to go. We face all kinds of things. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What's my next step? Well, how's this going to turn out? What? Darkness. And Peter says, we've got a foundation that we can for sure stand on and walk on and would do well to do that until the day dawns and a morning star rises in our hearts. Sean, what in the world is he talking about there other than flowery language? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is a bright and morning star. You see, what I think Peter's going back to is I think he's going back to that mount when he saw Jesus in that bright light, and he saw the, the God speak down to him. The Bible says that he and his two friends fell in absolute terror at the very voice of God in heaven. And, Pe and Jesus came over and said, don't be afraid, get up. You see, Peter saw the day dawn in his heart. He saw the morning star of the Lord Jesus in his glory. And he looked at Jesus forever different after that day. And what Peter's telling us is that, guys, God has given us the Bible. And you and I ought to lean into it, ought to read it, ought to mine it, ought to begin building and driving our, our lives, sinking those nails deep into it putting our roots down into that soil until the Lord Jesus himself is unveiled and unmasked and revealed into our life. That, that first happens, begins to happen when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord. If you really are trying to understand and figure out what salvation is all about, the Bible is the one, the only thing that can help you understand that and get that genuine faith. But then after that, there's still a progressive revealing, a more and more of Jesus, if you will, of us seeing him in his glory. 
and experiencing that. You see, for Peter, it changed his life. And it was a, something that he saw that arise in his heart. He didn't just see the sunrise. He felt it and experienced that. If you want to walk closely with God and have that relationship with him, that whereby you don't feel cold and distant, and whereby it's not just simply a religious exercise or an academic thing, then the Bible says go to God's word because it's that word that makes it real. So often in a brand of Christianity today, people run to an emotional experience or run to this or makes them feel good and feel like they touch God. And, and I'm, I can't say whether or not they really do or don't. But I can tell you this, when I look at what the Bible says, the Bible says, look into the Word of God, and it's those truths that give you that personal experience, and it's those truths that you build your life upon, and it's based, our experiences should be based there. Third thing, third foundation for life, not only is it the glory of the Lord Jesus, oh, oh, I got to tell you this before we move on, it's the Bible, but here, if the Bible is that foundation, that means everything in your life and in my life should be examined in the light of the Bible. Everything. When Susan and I found out she was pregnant, first thing I did is I didn't run to the newsstand to find the latest you know, self-help, how to be a good parent book. I didn't run to Mozart because I want my kid to be smart and learn how to listen and sing. I have no clue if that's not real. I'm a little doubtful of it, but anyway, that's another story. Um, I, I didn't run to the latest person around. You know what we did? We just simply open the Bible. What's the Bible say? What does God tell us about being parents? What, is, what decisions do we need to make? We've never looked back. And that's what your job and my job is to be. God has given us that blueprint. And so often we neglect it. And so often we don't really lean into it. And so often we, we turn to other people's advice quicker than we do simply unpacking it. It means then that every movement on this planet, just like every movement and every decision and every institution that's not built on the glory of the Lord Jesus, every movement, institution, is business, family, life that is not built upon the Word of God is going to fail. Catastrophic failure. There's some, a movement today that's popular that I began to say and look at, and I have some sympathy with it, but I began looking, well, what else do you believe? What, what else are you valuing? What else are you following? And as I looked and examined and looked at their own statements, not at what other people said about them, but what they said themselves, I thought that, that piece may be a piece about the Bible and honoring God, but all of this down here is not. I can't go there. You see, every... We should expect that God's word is going to run counter to every popular opinion that's out there. And you and I have got a responsibility to evaluate and examine everything out there before we just jump in the middle of things and to see if it squares with God's word. Third thing, and I'm done. Third, third foundational truth is the indwelling Holy Spirit in our life. Look what Peter says. He says, this scripture is... is not from someone's own interpretation, but in verse 21, no prophecy, no Bible, in other words, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, when Peter wrote his Bible, when Isaiah wrote what he said, and Moses wrote what he said, and David wrote what he said, and Solomon wrote what he said, and, 
and um, Elijah wrote, all of these men were not writing of their own opinions. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God moved them along. In the book of Acts, that word move along was a word that a ship that carried along its passengers and crew that moved them along through the waters. Your, your car moved you along from home to, to church today unless you walked. You see, what, what the Bible's telling us is that as these people wrote, that we see them, they were there, they were present in these words, that you can tell the differences between Luke and, and, and Mark and Peter. You can see the differences in personality and the words that in their familiar language. Luke, because he was a physician and a doctor, wrote more technical, more almost academic. And you can see Peter just, that wasn't his world. He just wrote common language. But in all of it, the Holy Spirit was moving inside of them in such a way that they were writing scripture that was God's word, inspired by God, not their own thinking, that was truth conveyed from the very mouth of God to you and to me. Not like an automatic handwriting thing where they just kind of sat down and closed their eyes and kind of let their arm go limp and loose, you know, and not like that. Their mind was engaged and they were speaking to specific things, but God was infusing it in such a way that it was his, not their own doing. So here's the deal. That same Holy Spirit, if he's the one that inspired those words, that this wasn't their own concoction, their own dreaming up of stuff, their own make-believe world, then it's the Holy Spirit who's also the one that knows what he wanted to say, why he wanted to say it, and how he said it. And that means for you and for me, when we go to the Bible, we go reading it saying, God, what did you say? What did you mean? We don't go to it saying, oh, here's what I think this means to me. Oh, you get that out of it? Oh, I get something completely different. Hold on, I'm not saying that there's not times that we pick out different nuances. But I am saying this, that God the Holy Spirit is one who not only gave us the Bible, but who governs the interpretation of it and who wants us to get out of it what he's trying to convey. Think of it this way. I'm sitting here talking to you this morning. I'm trying to convey something to you in plain English as best as I know how. And consequently, if there's questions about what I say, then someone could say, well, Sean, did you, you said this. Did you mean that or did you mean this? Oh, I didn't think about that. No, I mean it like this. You see, when we go to God's word, we have the Holy Spirit. When you're a child of God who lives inside of you, that you are born again and saved, the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside with you. He makes you new. And he is bringing those words to life inside of you and helping you to understand what he meant when he wrote it in the way he said it. And what he's trying to do is to point you and me back to Jesus. See, that's what Jesus told us in the book, the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to remind you of everything that I said. He's going to teach you about me. You see, the Bible from beginning to end is about Jesus. The confidence that you and I have, the pillar for our life and faith, 
is we have the glory of the Lord Jesus who came and is coming again, that we live for His glory, that He saved us, and we live for that. We have a foundation of the Bible that we stand upon, that we believe. And we have the Holy Spirit in our life who inspired it to begin with. And then each individual who follows the Lord Jesus, He reveals and opens that up to us, into our hearts and our minds, so that we get to experience even more of Jesus than what Peter saw in that day. That he's the one that, that brings the day to dawn and the bright, the star shining in our hearts. He's the one that teaches us those truths that helps us to know how to live and what we should do because he is the one that is in our, our life. Folks, I can't think of three more foundational truths that give you and I two things that gives us conviction today and confidence tomorrow. You see, this is a take-home point for this, this portion. Because of this, you and I should be people of conviction, not wishy-washy, not, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I don't know, you know, well, that's good for you, but not good for me, or, oh, that's awesome, but here's me, and all of this stuff that goes on today, we, we are so doing the dance socially and culturally with beliefs and values. It's, it kind of, some of it I get, and some is just like, okay already. Like, we should be people that, that believes the truths of God's Word unapologetically, unashamedly, lovingly, graciously, but with conviction in our heart and soul. And it should give us confidence for tomorrow that the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to help us, to lead us, to teach us, to point us to the truths of God's Word, that we have such a confidence in tomorrow that in the middle of whatever we're going through, we don't have to worry about that. So this morning, guys, we've been looking at foundation stuff. Not a lot of window dressing up here. Not a lot of pretty frou-frou. We can't figure where we're going to put the new Keurig in the kitchen and how that nice new you know, dishwasher is going to look and how that window is going to sit just so. These are foundational things. But if you miss these things, you will never in your life have the other things as well. Marriage fails when we miss these. Our life begins to collapse. Our business practices begin to fail. Everything begins to falter unless you have these three big stakes in the ground in your life deeply. So don't go past these quickly. Do you take and treasure this Word of God, looking to see the Lord Jesus and asking the Holy Spirit to help you to understand and to follow? Do you live that daily in your, your life with Him? Every day is not going to be like you seeing Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, but some days ought to be. Some days you ought to open God's Word, and it ought to knock your socks off. And it, it just, as you read and see what God has done, you just ought to sit there saying, God, you are an amazing God. Thank you. If you don't have those moments along the way, Peter says you don't need to go to some mountain to see the Lord Jesus. Come open your Bible. You've got a more sure word right there, and the Holy Spirit will bring that into your heart and soul. Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ as Lord. I thank you for these foundational truths that we can rely on them. They change our life, and we can go by them. Lord, help us to live for your glory, the glory of Jesus, to hold to the truth of the Bible, to be people of conviction, to know what it says, to follow it, not arrogantly, not proudly, not offensively, 
humbly, but boldly, clearly, and firmly. And Lord, help us to just as much winsomeness to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, bringing those truths alive in our heart, to be people of conviction, to be people of confidence. Thank you that Peter took the time to explain us the foundation of our faith. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.